0: And as an anti-capitalist, you know, I would say, like, we're all exploited under capitalism and we do things with our body and our time that we don't want to do. And, you know, for me, I have been in the sex work industry for 20 years. Uh, For most of that, I also, like, would dabble in and out of the service industry. And, like, for me personally, I found the service industry far more degrading and I could never go back to doing that again, you know. And I, I have a college degree, I could do other jobs, but I still very much enjoy sex work. We're rolling! We're
1: rolling! This is a real, real, real thing. Real, 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 real thing. <laughs> We're in the Wedge neighborhood Alberto, right now, right now, right now, right now, right now, right now, right now,
2: right now, right now. Right <unlucky> All <cardio> right. This is the Wedge Live podcast. I'm your host, John Edwards. And uh, today's episode was inspired by uh, a press conference given by Bloomington Police Chief Booker Hodges, uh, who you might be familiar with because he likes to to shame the people he arrests or charges with, cr- charges with crimes by dressing up their mugshots people who are already wearing orange jail shirts dressing up those mugshots in another orange jail shirt i I don't want to go too long into explaining that but you might be familiar with him from that uh he held a press conference earlier this week where uh it was about a prostitution sting operation targeting men who answered an online ad for sex from an undercover police officer and uh i I will play that clip
1: so what is human trafficking i know A lot of times we've come up with these nice fancy terms to describe something. Quite frankly, human trafficking is just when people force someone else to sell their body and they get the money for it. Uh, Members of our special investigations unit teamed up with uh, investigators from Eden Prairie, uh, Maple Grove PD, Richfield PD, and the Hennepin County Sheriff's Office to conduct a two-day detail. We did that last Wednesday and Thursday. uh, Focused on male customers seeking sex services, from adult sex workers, the investigators on the detail created an advertisement with photos of an undercover officer and posted it on websites
2: and then I will introduce my guest, who is Andy snow from swap is it do we pronounce it swap yeah and it's swap. a sex sex worker outreach project, an organization dedicated to destigmatizing and decriminalizing sex work in Minnesota. Thank you for coming on to talk about
0: this. Yeah, thank you so much for having me and for covering it. um, The other day live when the press conference happened, it was uh, really something to see. And I'm happy to be able to give a little more context to it too.
2: Yeah. So do do you have any initial reactions to that press conference? I'm going to give mine and then you give me yours. One, two, (laughs) three. First, as, as someone, I'm not someone who's like, enmeshed in this issue. And so for me to react this way, uh, maybe says something, but first conflating sex trafficking with sex work, quoting the lyrics of a child sex trafficker.
1: A quote from a R&B singer. He told everybody that he was the Pied Piper. Either no one paid attention or no one believed them until they did. The same R&B artist said, my mind is telling me no. But my body, my body is telling me yes. These guys here, just like the R&B singer R. Kelly, should have followed his own advice.
2: There's no sex trafficking involved in what he was talking about. And then shaming a homeless man for having the money for bus fare and $200 to pay an undercover officer for sex.
1: So the first person I'm going to talk about is Andrew. He's 36 years old. He is a person who is experiencing homelessness and currently homeless. Well, to be homeless, he found the means to catch a transit bus to come meet with our undercover officer. And he bought $200 in cash with him. Homeless. Okay. So we locked him up too.
2: What did you think watching it?
0: Similarly, one of the main things that hit me was that that shaming aspect of it. And um, not only like the shaming of these people that he's already arrested and already traumatized publicly, but also like how much glee he took in it. Like he really enjoyed it. And when it comes to like, um, you know, prostitution stings in general, it's something I would love for people to know and understand. And he really embodied it like that cops love doing stuff like that. They, yeah, they they behave in a very specific way towards sex workers. Um, Yeah, and the conflation of sex work and trafficking. I'm so happy that everyone was noticing that. Uh, It was really interesting to hear him use the language of sex work, Um, but not accurately. Right, like you said, like nothing in that um, he was talking about a trafficking situation. Right, like these were customers. Right, so there wouldn't even be. In a way that trafficking could be happening in that particular sting. And he said, he kind of like let something slip out of his mouth, I think. And he said he was, they were really utilizing those arrests to have leverage over the men they arrested to get information on more sex workers. He used the term trafficking. He said people were being trafficked, but Nowhere in that statement was anything about helping people who are being trafficked. Um, You know, we really maintain that being arrested and experiencing carceral violence does nothing to help people who are sex workers or people who are being trafficked. Um, And then, like, the third, my initial reaction to it, too, is uh, it happened in Bloomington, which is really significant. Most of prostitution raids that happen now do happen in Bloomington. And there's a couple reasons for that. He named like that. There's a lot of hotels in that area, which has something to do. With it It has a lot more to do with the fact that it's by the airport and it's by the mall and it's by tourism. Um, and also, uh, MPD is not allowed to do raids anymore. Um, they lost their privileges, <laughs> and I don't know like how we do the like, trigger warning, but like legally, when uh, cops do undercover stings with prostitution, they're legally allowed to rape and rob sex workers in those stings. And Minneapolis police have been so egregious in their practices doing it. And it resulted in a lot of lawsuits that the city had to pay out. So when um, Harto was still the police chief, prior to her resigning of the mismanagement of Jermar Clark murder, um, she put an end to all raids in Minneapolis. So in Hennepin County, like it's all Bloomington and it's very interesting to see that he's so proud of that work. And, you know, it's, it's not a surprise that this sort of like theatrical thing is something he really like likes doing and his little uh, tough guy statement at the end about get on a plane to Amsterdam. (laughs) If you (laughs) want (laughs) to. Very. very, Yeah. It was a lot. We hear about the police
2: staffing crisis a ton, and this seems like labor in, a labor-intensive thing to do because there's not just the cop soliciting, and in the hotel room, there's probably a bunch of cops waiting in the bathroom or in a different room, like all day, maybe, I don't know how many days he said this, but it's like a couple of dozen guys they arrested, and each one takes manpower, and it seemed like may, you could have devoted this to actual sex trafficking, <laughs> uh, I, I, it just seems like a, maybe a misuse of resources.
0: Yeah, it seems like it, Yeah, absolutely. Like you said, they have the people waiting in the, the adjacent hotel room when they do that. Um, but then also like, yeah, everyone has to be processed. Everyone has to go through the system. It's a huge weight. It's a huge strain on our resources. <laughs>
2: So I would imagine, I don't know if he made this argument, uh, he probably did because it's in my head, that this is about the demand for sex workers pay, you know, the people who pay for it, let's go after them and let's point out that like uh, sex workers were not targeted in this. It was the customers, also referred to as the Johns. So is there any validity to that, that like going after the demand, even when it's a non-sex trafficking situation. Are they do, are they doing any good by going after the demand side?
0: So end demand is sort of how we talk about having the Nordic model in Minnesota already. Um, we have it's called um, safe harbor. We're a safe harbor state, um, and it comes from I think in I think we're kind of lucky in Minnesota. It comes from a good place. It comes from uh, the work that survivors have done. And I think in the earlier days, a lot of that work was focused on eradicating the sex industry as a whole. And with that goal in mind, like there's all these unintended consequences then for sex workers, the same way that he conflated sex work and trafficking, our laws completely conflate both things. And it's not serving either population by doing that. Right. Um, And so when we focus on ending demand, it can sound like a good thing or it can like Produce certain results that some people might find desirable. But for us, who does, you know, it's our work. We don't want our industry as a whole under attack. Uh, When our customers are criminalized, it actually makes a lot of space for uh, more violence against sex workers and it makes us even less safe, Um, which is something that, like, we at SWAP are working really, really hard in policy to start separating trafficking and sex work. Um, we have a huge decriminalization campaign coming out. And I think a lot of people would call and demand a type of, it's a type of decriminalization, but we're advocating for full decriminalization, including our clients, because, you know, our business can't thrive if our clients are criminalized.
2: Here, Here's one simple question. Like, should we not say prostitution? I'm not clear on like... What is politically correct? What do sex workers want to be, have their profession referred to as? Like, what is the language debate about whether we should say prostitution, sex work, uh, all that stuff?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. Thank you. Uh, Definitely. I, the people have different opinions on this. I don't like the word prostitution, it's the law, like, that cites our criminality like that ground that's what the cops call us you know so please (laughs) as allies and friends definitely call us sex workers and that too like if people choose the word sex worker like it's a very political choice right like the word sex worker actually means a lot so I think with a lot of things like taking people's lead and how they identify themselves um because you also don't want to put that word on somebody who doesn't claim that and feels differently about their experience. But yeah, sex work is, it's, it's a, you know, it's an intentionally political word. It says that like, this is my job and I want, like I want human rights underneath the banner of what I do.
2: Here's another like basic question that a lot of people probably have who are not like very political about this, but Like selling your body for money, like the argument goes, selling your body for money is wrong. It's harmful to sex workers, even if they choose it, even if it's not a sex trafficking situation, it's putting them at risk. It should be illegal. Uh, Like, why is this the wrong approach? Is it wrong?
0: I mean, yeah, definitely. (laughs) Again, it's really about that, like, respecting people's autonomy and respecting, you know, like I said, like, if I am telling you I'm a sex worker, I'm already telling you, like, that that line of thinking does not apply to me. And like, and that being said, it doesn't mean um, that there's this, like, binary between, like, we call it the happy hooker. (laughs) Like, it's not like, oh, my job is just so great, and I'm empowered and happy all the time. Like, there are very real struggles within sex work and I mean one of the biggest things that we deal with is like state violence um, but we also deal with violence from customers and like really intense social stigma um, which for a lot of sex workers especially more privileged sex workers like the social stigma is sometimes the most difficult thing that we deal with um, and as an anti-capitalist you know I would say like we're all exploited under capitalism and we do things with our body and our time that we don't want to do um and you know for me I have been in the sex work industry for 20 years uh for most of that I also like would dabble in and out of the service industry and like for me personally I found the service industry far more degrading and I could never go back to doing that again you know and I I have a college degree. I could do other jobs, but I still very much enjoy sex work. Um, but, yeah, it exists on a spectrum, and I think we're coming to a time where people are able to be more out as sex workers and, uh, you know, other folks are able to know us more as unique individuals, and I think the more you open your eyes to, like, what's happening in our world, you know, you can, like, you can just see all the nuance to all of that. But it's... um. It's, it's it's a little patronizing, right, that approach.
2: Here's a big uh, societal question. How should we react to the customers? Uh, because there's a lot of lonely people out there. What uh, need does the sex work industry, like, is it filling a hole in people's lives? It, what story should we tell about this?
0: So much so that I think we are like an invisible heart of like economies, including like the sacred sexual economy, I guess you would say. Uh, and not to say that like what we're doing is like such healing work or so important, but I, I think it's just something that's so interwoven to everything that we do and um, We always say like there wouldn't be Minneapolis without sex workers and like a lot of like industry towns. This is like a pretty common pattern that you see. But like, you know, when Minneapolis had all the mills running and People, were, workers were moving here, you know, it's men and they're living in any type of situation they want. And it was like the madams who started moving into the riverfront and making like real homes and real hostels and real places of hospitality and like nice things for people to have. So we're baked into every part of society. We're just unseen. And in terms of like, how do you see the customers? It's it's a similar question, right? Like there's this huge spectrum, you know, like some customers are, are, are kind of awful in certain ways, you know? And like some of my customers are the most trusted men in my life. Like they're the people I call when my car breaks down. Um, so, you know, they're people. <laughs> they're also just people too. And like some of them are pretty weird, and some of them are like your best friends, and you wouldn't even know.
2: It's like uh, the it's just the service industry, basically.
0: Completely, yeah.
2: So, what is the policy agenda for your group? Is there movement in the in this direction? I know we've we've made a big deal about the Democratic trifecta. I haven't heard anything. On the sex work front, (laughs) is anything happening?
0: A little bit by design. You haven't heard anything yet. Um, (laughs) We've been in a little bit of a planning mode, but um, there's going to be a lot of stuff that happens in Minneapolis this year. Uh, some of which I'll keep to myself for right now, but one of the main (laughs) (laughs) Uh, strategically. But uh, (laughs) one of the big things we're moving for is to repeal the loitering ordinance in Minneapolis, Um, loitering with intent of prostitution, as well as everything else that falls under loitering. It's really something that is used only to target... um, sex workers it's used particularly to target trans people and black people um it really restricts like the public movement of black and trans people we found in our research that from 2018 to 2021 the only people who were arrested for loitering with intent of prostitution were black um it's just like an absolute like crisis of um you know, in other cities, they called it like the walking while trans law and things like that. It's really just an excuse for police to harass people that they know are sex workers who aren't breaking any laws, who aren't harming anyone, who aren't causing any sort of problems. Um, so that will be the first thing in the city. And then in the next year or two, we will also be introducing a comprehensive decrim decriminalization bill to the state um so that would replace every statute that uh, applies to prostitution with a a new statute that puts us in a space of being decriminalized and not legalized
2: <laughs> mm. what, what is the distinction there between decriminalized and legalized
0: decriminalized right meaning that prostitution is no longer a crime right basically um, the difference is with legalization, which we have like in um, Nevada, it comes with really heavy state regulation um, and taxation. So then you have a lot of problems with like the state holding that. <laughs> Sorry for my language. Just it's like easier to just say it really plainly. Then the state becomes our pimp. Oh, <laughs> like okay. We also don't want that. Yeah.
2: <laughs> you can say that. Yeah, wouldn't uh, maybe people would see that as a good thing. Like I I hear you hear this maybe about there's some parallels with the legalized drugs debate, like let's legalize it. Let's tax it. uh, Then it'll become mainstream and nothing to fear here because it'll it'll be legal and taxed and regulated and things will be safe and good. So it's, that's not the way to go?
0: That's not the way to go. It puts a lot, like I mentioned, it puts a lot of power in the hands of the state. It also puts a lot of power into the brothel owners or the business owners. And then they become the gatekeepers of who gets access to that work. And one of the most amazing things about sex work is that it's accessible to everyone. And, you know, a lot of people start in sex work because of a need, a survival need. Um, it's just really important that we keep that open to everybody.
2: So if it was legalized and regulated, it, it could potentially be the case that, like, you can't have people in your home to do this. You would need to be, you would need to go to a, a place of business. It would have to happen in certain designated areas. There might be a zoning component to it.
0: Absolutely. There's also, like, a few, you know, corporate corporate entities that will, like, own all the brothels. I mean, we see that in the legal sex work industry like um in the strip clubs in minneapolis they're all there's four owners of all the clubs in minneapolis so it becomes this like really big imbalance of power
2: well thank you andy snow this is the shortest episode we've ever done and i love it (laughs) people will be able to listen to it from beginning to end uh andy snow from uh, swap minneapolis Uh, thank you
0: yeah much appreciated
2: this has been the Wedge Live podcast. I'm your host, John Edwards. Thank you for listening. This is a real, real, real thing. Real, 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 real thing. None of you have the balls to stop, stop this.
1: On today. <laughs> We're in the wedge neighborhood, neighborhood right now, 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 right now.